I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You are now listening to Footy Prime, the podcast, hosted by Danny DiCchio, Craig Forrest, and James Sharman. Well, it only took about a thousand days, but the Premier League has come to its conclusion. Welcome to Footy Prime. Sharman, Forrest, Dickio, Wonga there on keyboards. Thank you, Jeff Cole, for the introduction. Um, I guess what we can say about this season now, at least, is that 100% the league was correct in restarting, playing the games, concluding the season, You know, not following the, 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 the French or the... Netherlands, example for example, you know they had their reasons. I know that, but thank God they did play the games because in the end, it was really quite enjoyable, wasn't it? If you're a Liverpool fan, you're loving it, eh? <laughs> that was not what I was insinuating. <laughs> yeah, it was. All right. Yeah, yeah <laughs> maybe a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Not if you're Watford. Not if you're Watford. <laughs> but it worked though, right? In the end, I think. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we did miss the fans, obviously, but mm. by the end of it, I mean, you're just watching football. Did you like the? Uh the in, uh, introduction with the fans being part of the, oh, audio, the video screens? or did you like the empty stadium? I, I was, it's an empty stadium. We know it is. Just go with it. You know, yeah. I don't think the fans added to my personal experience. Yeah. I saw that uh, what Gary Lineker did a poll and asked whether or not people liked it. And 75% were they, they liked it better than the empty crowd. Having stadium. The, the cardboard cutouts or having no, the, uh, <laughs> the, the pumped in the pumped in the pumped in fans. crowd noise. Oh, the, the noise, crowd noise, yeah. yeah. I got used to it in the end, I must say. Yeah. I'm going to miss it though. I'm going to miss getting up and seeing at least one Premier League game every day because... It's like Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, there was, there, was a, there was a time when I didn't even know there was games on and suddenly I was surprised. Oh, yeah. right, it might have been Newcastle versus Burnley, but... Still, Still, it was a game. <laughs> and now I'm going to miss not having a game to wake up to yeah. every day. Or... or it's even like MLS, right? I mean, the Vancouver Whitecaps play Sunday night, what, at, uh, when was the kickoff? Like 11 or 15. Yeah, 11, yeah. Yeah. Late game. By the way, they uh, nearly got through that around a 16. You see that young goalkeeper, Thomas yeah. Hassel? From Saskatoon. From Saskatoon. From the Toon. Yeah. Born Come in on. Ontario. But, you know, everybody's saying he's young. He's 21. Yeah. He's not young as such young for a goalkeeper but he's inexperienced but he did really well did really well I liked his calmness I liked his confidence yeah. and it's a tough spot to go into but no fans I think helped yes. um, yeah. being live on TV every game yeah. added to the pressure and he stood up for himself he wouldn't have got his chance if no. I think uh, the second choice keeper had to go home because I'm not sure if his mother died Craig or yeah. if he, was he the player but then Max Kripo got injured in the first game, so the young boy took his chance, his opportunity. Exactly. And now, what I would like to see Vancouver do is say, we don't need to bring another journeyman in from the league or from America. We've got a very good yeah. one and two Canadian goalkeepers here at a Canadian club. Let's roll with it. They've shown they can compete. They've shown they can do it. If you're saying that you're a big pro-Canadian developer, mm-hmm. do it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no need to bring a journeyman in now. You've got yeah. a willing and able substitute keeper who's going to play games for you, whether it be in the championship, mm-hmm. whether it be through injury. He's good. Exactly. Help him out. Exactly. Play him. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think that uh, one thing about him and a situation like that is you, you, you've got to wait for your opportunities. And he was ready to take it. So I, 
means that they've obviously done their work off the pitch and continually to do that and had a belief that maybe, just maybe, I'll get a chance. Yeah. And he did, and he's, he did incredibly well. I actually thought the way the game went, I mean, they got heavily outplayed by Kansas City, Vancouver, but when it went to penalties, I, I thought that the pressure was on, was on the wall. Uh, yeah, all the stars win. were aligning, yeah. and it was like, oh, well, maybe not. But, yeah, Kansas City were the better side, but with the, the injuries and the you know missing players that Vancouver had, I think they had an average age of 23, young squad. Yeah, I was pretty proud of them, actually. I think DeSantos must be pretty proud of the, the, their efforts anyway. But it's got to be better down the line, though, for Vancouver. Well, I mean, they started off so poorly, right? They're being just uh, vilified in all platforms, but they found a way and they came pretty close in the end. Mm-hmm. TFC were dreadful in, in their match. Ooh. Just, I don't know, they hadn't woken up. And give, give New York City FC a lot of credit. They were fantastic. But, uh, you know, you talk about there being a lack of fans in the stadium. I mean... Sometimes you need those fans to wake yourself up, I guess. And TFC definitely missed them. Yeah. I wonder if it has anything to do with, you know, if there's a couple players, and I'm not saying there is, but they weren't too happy about being in this situation in the first place. That goes through a squad. And, and I think that'll happen in any sport, like uh, even the National Basketball Association with the Raptors and the way they're going about this bubble situation. It's not going to be about the best team that wins it, probably. It's going to be about the team that can handle the situation and the mental stresses that's going to be being in a bubble for months. Well, what is this? This MLS tournament, do you look at it as just an exhibition tournament at this point? It doesn't count towards the standings now. It's this, this contrived tournament. Yes, you get a Champions League spot out of it, which is great. Um, or do you, should you, as a fan, just be grateful you're seeing something at this point? Well, a little bit of both, but I think that, yeah, it's, uh, I don't, I'm sure how motivated some of these players are going to be to win this thing. Your, your employers are out now, so you can say one each. <laughs> well, the first three games, the group games were points or counted, counted towards the season. So, yeah, but now knockout, but knockout as far as uh, a potential burst it's in tough. Champions League. I think if you're in any tournament, you want to try and win it. I think anywhere, but you're right. TFC were unrecognizable yesterday, and it was just. They came up against a team that were very organized. New York actually went through in the skin of their teeth because of a, a late goal in the Houston game, I think it was. So they could bounce in and be a little dark horse now with the way they played yesterday. They looked a threat on the counter, very organized defensively. But I don't know, being a player stuck in that bubble for a long, long time, you're missing your family. There's certain stuff going through your head where you're not even thinking about football. And, yeah. and, and that's it's what, not like they've set, it, set up what's going to happen down the line because yeah. there's a lot of questions and a lot of doubts about whether this is even going to happen. And that's not league. only players as well. That's staff as well. Right. Staff have been down there for a long time. You're doing long, long days. You're going back to your room. It's not like you can go out to the bar to have a drink. So or, what's the one thing you bring to your bubble? If you're in the bubble, you're a bubble boy, what would be the one thing you bring with you? The one thing you could choose? My DJ set. Just play to the yeah. for yourself or to the players, your teammates. To the players, I'd stream speakers all through their rooms and everything. I'd say, okay, boys, what are we going to play tonight? What, what what genre do we want? All right, so yeah. keyboard, keyboards, uh, turntables, and records with each records, right? No, no laptop and oh, and, no, I'm uh, talking about when you were mixer. playing because there's no CDs when you were playing. Oh no, no chance. It was all vinyl. <laughs> How about you, Craig? I mean, your, your, your porn stash would that be what it is or? <laughs> I don't even know what I'd bring. One stash. You'll bring a stash. Back in the day. <laughs> Not anymore. What about you, Wunger? My children. Oh, that's my a uh, my my reading. My library. Yeah, right. <laughs> his porn stash is what he's yeah. talking about. Okay, fair his enough. His pictures on the wall is <laughs> enormous amounts of ganja. <laughs> Um, back to uh, the, the Premier League here a little bit, though. Um, you know, good final day in the end. Nothing really changed, per se, but I guess... Um, Champions League spots. Yeah, well, yeah, but United were still, I'm saying, they were in that spot, though, entering mm-hmm. the weekend, right? And I guess Villa and, and United were the happiest of all those teams. Yeah. yeah. There were some crackers of goals as well. De Bruyne's goal. Even Origi stepped up with a goal with a terrible haircut, but I thought it was a... Last day is always funny, huh, Craig? Like when you're playing on the last day, if you've got nothing to play for and you're playing against a team that are either qualified for Europe or they've gone down already, there's always some really dodgy results. But I think all the results kind of went the way, apart from Villa-West Ham, I thought West Ham might nick a win there. But 
Um, I'm a little bit upset that Bournemouth have gone down, but I think they yeah. outstayed nice their story, welcome right? a little bit. It's a yeah. nice story. I think they've either got a rebuild. Trust in Eddie Howe. He's a good young coach. You think he'll stick around there? I hope so. I, I, I think he's a, a good young coach. He just... I think the downfall for Eddie Howe was that he, had, he spent a lot of money this year and maybe not on the players or that fitted that Bournemouth setup and their style of play and the way they, they think. It's similar to Burnley. If Burnley went and spent like £25 million on a player that doesn't really fit their style or their down. mentality, they'll go down. So I, that's why you talk about Sean Dyche and the, the quality of his coaching and what he's done with that club. Well, from the bottom to the top of the table, where we're happy now to be joined by uh, one of our favourites, someone you probably heard us talk to numerous times during our uh, sojourn at Sportsnet. It's uh, Simon Crabtree, reporter extraordinaire from the northwest of England. <laughs> Simon, thanks for joining us, mate. Pleasure. Thanks for asking me. I presume you were desperate. Did someone drop out? <laughs> Not at all, man. You're top of our list every week. Top of our list. <laughs> Listen, Simon, you cover uh, Liverpool in depth uh, throughout the season. Um, tell us, what, what's the sentiment in the red half of the city? Is it obviously deliriously happy, but do they also feel a little bit ripped off considering you know, what happened, considering you know, the virus and the closed stadiums? Um. Partly yes, partly no. I mean, obviously, everybody would have loved to have been in the final few matches to have seen them, even though it was clinched at, at Chelsea, as it were. But just to be there. But every football fan's like that. It's not just Liverpool fans, but there's a certain sense of irony, I suppose, that they couldn't be in the stadium. And on Wednesday night, when they actually got presented with the trophy, it is that's got to be one of the most surreal nights of my life. It was... It was just weird. I, I can't describe it any other way than that. It's just to see the lads go up and they were buzzing. As you'd imagine, the families were up in the, the top tier of the main stand. But to be... I mean, in years to come, when someone goes, oh, do you remember that time that nobody could go and watch football? I go, yeah, what were you doing? Oh, I was watching football. It's, it's a story to tell, isn't it? It's just been weird, though. It has been weird, but you're right. Delirious because they won the Premier League title finally and it's a... It's a weight off the shoulders, but tinged with sadness that they couldn't be inside the stadiums to watch it. Was there a feeling, Simon, though, prior to coming back and playing, was there a worry inside the the red half of Liverpool that this may be cancelled and they may not actually be crowned champion if they didn't come back and play? Was there a worry of that? Yeah, the two phrases that you heard a lot for the first few weeks when we all got locked down was uh, null and void, which everybody that wasn't a Liverpool supporter seems to be throwing around. And I'm I'm not a Liverpool supporter, just for the record. I know people think I am because I cover them a lot. I like the club, but Danny knows what my team is. Um, and the asterisks as well. Would this be the season where they would win it, but whoever win it has the little star by the name? Um, and it's a question I asked a lot of the players as well. And, and for a while, they were as well. They were umming and ahhing, would it be, wouldn't be? Because the clubs were great, well, the players were great. When we got locked down, they tried to continue a lot of the stuff that we do for, for your broadcast as well. So I was doing a lot of interviews with the players, and still am now, from in here. They didn't have to, but it was great because all of a sudden we could talk like we are now, rather than in a sanitised room and everything. So I got some great chats, and if they were being honest for a while, they were worried. Krebers, so you obviously done a lot of work with, with Liverpool this year. You've spoken to many a player, but during this time, this virus as well, did you see any change from Jurgen Klopp and his staff to try and keep the players motivated or to keep them mentally prepared for when the, the, the season started again? Or was he very straight down the line, still himself. Because yeah, that's pretty how we see it with Jurgen Klopp. Like yeah. They are, I mean, that, the mentality, they call themselves mentality monsters now, or Jurgen called them that. And it is, from day one when he's walked through the door, his expression was, turn them from doubters to believers. And every day he's in constant dialogue if they need it. He's got a great backroom staff that work closely with the players. There's a guy called Ray Hoffen who deals very closely in terms of if any of the players have a problem, then Ray Ray is the man that sorts it. And that included stuff like just getting the shopping to them and if they need anything doing, it would be done. So they didn't have to worry like you and I might have had to do in terms of 
How am I actually going to get the food this week? Do I have to go into a shop? What am I going to do? Everything was done for them. So they didn't have to worry about the stuff that everybody else was. And But that's been him from day one. He's taken the burden off them, the way that they interact with them, the way the backroom staff work with them. They are, a, I know it's a bit cheesy, but they are a family. He's brought them all together. There are certain uh, groups that like to hand around with each other more than most, but there's no cliques, if that makes sense. So there's not a, they go and stay over there and have their chats. And they do like, when, as soon as they walk through the doors at Melwood, from the lady on reception to the guys who are in the, the restaurant that, where they get the food, everybody has to know each other's name and they all look after each other's backs. Is this all like a Jurgen Klopp's idea? I mean, we've, we've got, I mean, I'm a big fan of his uh, from the outside looking in. It would be a manager that I'd love to play for. Um, what is your feeling for these players? I mean, they, they seem to love what he does. Obviously, winning is, a, is a, a great solution for everything, but they seem to buy into everything that he does, and he doesn't seem to make many mistakes. Um, what are your feelings as far as how good is he? You'd have loved him. You, you honestly, God, you'd have loved him. And, and what you see is what you get. I mean, I know I'm not with him 24 hours a day, but I see him quite – it seems like I'm always at Melwood or at Anfield, and I speak to a lot of the people who are there with him a lot of the time. And he's got your back. He is, he is genuine, and he wants everybody to buy into it. And if you don't buy into it, then it's, it's bye-bye, essentially. Um, but he's got your back. He, do, he won't sell you out in front of the press, but if he needs to give you a bollock in – inside the training ground, then he can do that as well. He's, Does he do that, Simon? Is he a guy that at times will lose his can mind? Be. Yeah, yeah. Can be. I don't think he loses his mind. I think when he does it, he's very controlled from what I'm told, and he's also um, very structured with how he would do it as well. He wouldn't just come on and tear you in your arse. He'd actually say why X, Y, or Z rather than just tearing you to pieces. But if he needed if he needed to actually get heated, I'm told it doesn't happen a lot, but when it does, you you don't want to be that person. <laughs> He's also someone that from day one he threw himself into the culture of that city. And you know, if you've been to Liverpool and around Scousers, they are one to themselves, right? They're, they're different to the rest of England in, in many, many ways. And I think the fan base from day one appreciated that and respected that. Um, now, that's a fan base that in the past has just, you know, grabbed hold of its managers, Shankly and Paisley and Dalgleish, you know, and even Rafa, of course. They, they, they love Rafa Benitez. How beloved is this guy now? Where, where is he? Is he up there with the Shankleys yet? Is it a little bit early for that? Uh, where do you see him in, in history? I know it's, listen, he's got to win probably a few more trophies to get to that level, but where is he right now in that city? Yeah, if you, if you stopped everything now, they'd build a statue of him. But, right. but you're right in terms of, to be up there with Shankly, with Paisley, even with Fagan, I suppose, to, to a certain degree, and Sir Kenny, of course, as well, then you've got to keep on doing this. But he's he's rebuilt them. He's, he's got that structure back in that he wants now. They're playing in his mode of football. The fans, as you say, rightly love him. I mean, there's history in terms of Liverpool going back, not just football-wise, but history-wise, hundreds of years, why Liverpool almost distances itself from England, but that's sort of political and, and historical reasons. But that's why they are all for one, one for all kind of thing. And yet they absolutely love him. When you go around Liverpool City Centre, there are, the, the big thing at the moment is there's loads of murals that they've done. You've probably seen the one of Trent Alexander-Arnold just around the corner from Anfield itself. There's one of, there's a brilliant one of Jürgen in in the uh, one of the quarters in, in town as well. And they're all sort of springing up. And they're all a homage to him. And he's he's brought them that title that they wanted for 30 years. I know they've got the European trophies. I know they've got league cups and everything. But he's brought them the title and he's up there. If everything stops now, there'll be statues galore. <laughs> Simon, let's talk about the blue half, Everton of Liverpool. The, the rivalry is different in Liverpool with Everton, and a lot of people in Canada wouldn't sort of notice that there is a difference. It's What are their feelings about Liverpool winning this title uh, in the blue half of Liverpool? If the pandemic, had, I know it's, it's a thing to say, but if lockdown hadn't have happened, they'd have all flown anywhere apart from Merseyside on the day that they were presented the trophy because I mean, 
again, to go back to the sort of the 80s, and Everton were the ones that were winning the league title. And you even now it's 25 years since Everton won a major trophy in 95 when they won the FA Cup. And Farhad Mashiri has come in. He, he knows that there's a fan base there. He knows that people on Merseyside live for their football. He, he spent half a billion pounds on players now and they're still nowhere near Liverpool. I don't know whether that says more for how much groundwork Everton have still to do or how far ahead of Liverpool are of everybody else. But yeah, you're right in terms of it's different because you could be in the same house and your mum could be a Liverpool fan and your dad could be an Everton fan or your sister or your brother or your auntie or uncle, whoever it might be. Don't mistake that for this friendly rivalry because Merseyside derbies get heated. But um, but our Everton fans just at the moment are just hiding because they're not going Grabbers, did you did you see the the advert? I think it was Paddy Power that put on with the Everton players. Like yeah. my, my ex manager Peter Reed was uh, was walking out of his house and he was hollering and swearing, saying "Leave me alone." They were asking him about the the trophy raise. I think Kevin Campbell was on there. Tony Cotty. They had like some really good players from Everton back in the day, and they were all like really pissed, saying we don't want to do any interviews. So oh, if you can if you can catch that up, that'd be really good. But if you haven't seen it already. It's all over Twitter, isn't it? And yeah. just go- go- Google it. I think good it's better. as you say, it's a betting company. But just <laughs> Everton former players upset Liverpool. That should probably bring it up. But stay staying with Everton as well, um, Crabbers, and I know. I met Krabbers when he was on the beat at Sunderland and we had a lot of crack up there as well. But I want to speak about two Sunderland boys that are actually in Merseyside at the moment and the contrast in, in their careers. You've got uh, Pickford, Jordan Pickford, who's at Everton, came through the Sunderland Academy. A little bit long, uh, younger than Mr. Jordan Henderson, who's a Sunderland boy through and through, who's now picked up a Champions League title and obviously the Premier League title for Liverpool. And I don't know if you stay in contact with, with both of them, Krabbers, yeah. but I saw your pictures with Jordan Henderson in the Cup uh, the other day and just th- the year that he's had from picking up the Champions League trophy and an emotional time with his dad and then now picking up this trophy. Football the first writers, uh, Football Writers Player of the Year as well. Just like to know, especially because their club, their hometown club, Sutherland's not doing too well now. They're, they're looking to be taken over again by hopefully good owners this time and trying to get back into the championship at least. But it's, it's really good to see two Sunderland boys doing well for themselves. Pickford's the England number one at this moment in time, but Is I he? think he could get knocked off his perch soon. But great for Jordan Henderson as well, Crabbers. Yeah, I mean, as far as Jordan Henderson is concerned... Jordan, even when he was a kid at Sunderland, Deitch, he was someone who was constantly being asked questions of, can you do it? Are you good enough? Are you big enough? Was was one of the questions where they asked at Sunderland. And it got to that point where, and he knew that as well. Borley was was a big supporter of Jordan Henderson. This is Kevin Ball, who uh, played with Deitch, uh, has been the caretaker manager when called upon. Um but he's passed all the tests. It was the, the one thing that the Borley, a story that he told recently, was how somebody had sent him a video of how Henderson had, had been doing, well, whatever the equivalent of was of TikToks probably were 10 years ago. And it was like taking a free kick and hitting the wall and managing to control it and do it. And he must have done it again and again. And they watched that. And, and Borley had said, look, this is the kid who... You give him a chance and he will work it out and he will do it again and again. And happened at Sunderland and then eventually got in the first team and then Kenny Algleish bought him at Liverpool. And then Ferguson, so Alex Ferguson had said about he runs funny. He would have signed him with the And that put a big doubt in maybe not Jordan's head, but everybody else he said and asking questions. And then he nearly left to go to Fulham. I think when Brendan Rodgers came in, but he answered Rodgers. He made him his captain. He came in again. Jurgen Klopp asked it. He was injured when Jurgen Klopp came in originally and he was trying other midfielders and he answered them again. And, and he's just got stronger and stronger and stronger. And, and Jordan's the lad that I would want on my side whatever we do because not only would he be giving you absolutely everything to win, but he'd be looking after you as well. And which is why he's got to where he has now. And But as far as Jordan Pickford is concerned, if, 
if you want me to keep going on the other Jordan, he's played every single second since he's arrived at Everton in the Premier League. That's what, two and a half, three years of constant football, plus the World Cup, plus the European Championships and everything else that goes with being England's number one as well. He needs a break for me, Beach. I just think he's, his head's probably mashed a little bit. He won't get a proper break. He might. I think he was going to go to Spain. I don't even know if he can go to Spain now. I don't know whether you've just seen what they've, they're starting to shut down. The borders are going to Spain. So he might not even get his holiday. But one Jordan is flying, but will always be looking over his shoulder and trying to make himself better. The other one just needs a lift at the moment because I, we know he's a great goalkeeper, but he just needs to try and get his head back in gear. And I hope he can do that again this season. Crabbers, part of the issue with uh, with Jordan Henderson was also, you know, you're replacing Stevie G, right? And, and that's an impossible job. So you're in that huge shadow, which I'm sure he's now emerged from. Do, but do you think, it sounds crazy given what he's won, but do you think he'll ever actually fully escape the shadow of Steven Gerrard? I think part of it has gone because he's lifted that trophy. I think even Steven Gerrard ad- admitted that. They, they talk a lot as well. Even when Steven Gerrard left to go across to America, he stayed in touch with him. Now he's up in Scotland as well. They they talk, from what I understand, quite a lot uh, on the phone, whether that's texting or calls or, or whatever it might be. Um, but I do think a lot of that would have been lifted when he picked up that trophy, just because he's done that one thing that Steven Gerrard never did and probably wanted more than anybody as well. Um so it's probably it's probably has gone not completely because it never can. But he's lifted the Champions League, he's lifted the Premier League, he's lifted the Super Cup, he's lifted the World's Club Cup, all in the space of a year. So if he's if he's not going to lift it now, he's never going to lift it. But for me, I think if not completely, then a lot of that shadow has probably gone now. Yeah. Looking forward uh, to next season. I see Dejan Lovren leaves today. You know, much maligned figure at Anfield, if there's anyone maligned these days. Uh, but do you think you'll see more exits than, than entrances this offseason? Um, yeah, Dejan, I think I've had this chat this afternoon with a Liverpool fan who was slaughtering Dejan Lovren. But Dejan's biggest problem was that he's not Virgil van Dijk or Joe Gomez, who all of a sudden took it to a different level. I mean, I know he had that game at Wembley against Spurs when he had a nightmare, but ask a Liverpool fan about Dortmund at Anfield and they'll, and they'll love Lovren. So Lallana's gone as well. Um, I don't think there'll be many more outgoings, but I also, from what I can gather, won't be many, if any, incomings. Um, the one thing, one player everybody's talking about is Thiago Alcantara from uh, Bayern Munich. But from what I'm hearing... Um, he's not their player because, I mean, he's 29 now. He'll want a big wage. They'll want a decent-sized transfer fee for him. He gets injuries, and I just don't think he's the sort of player because of all those ingredients that would fit into the squad. So they've got some kids coming through as well um, who probably won't play more than five or ten games next season. But I think they're looking at the way that the market is now because of the coronavirus and the saying a player that, might have been 50 million. Is he worth half that now? But they're still asking 50 million. So my understanding is probably you won't see much, if any, incomings between now and well, what, six weeks between before the season starts again. In your opinion, Scott Crabbers, do you think, uh, or what position do you think that Liverpool need to strengthen in, at least maybe in the depth category? We will, we'll, we'll go through them all. We'll start in the goalkeeper. So, Alisson's the number one by a mile, isn't he? So, you've got your backup is Adrian for now. Um, what Carrius is going to come back, but my understanding is that Montpellier is sniffing around him. So, he'll probably go out there. Um, and then you've got Kravin Kelleher as your third choice goalkeeper. So, they're not going to get another goalkeeper in, you wouldn't have thought. Mm-hmm. Defensively, do you bring someone in? to give Andy Robertson a bit of a breather every now and then at left-back? Or do you rely on others that are coming through? Because nobody's going to start over Andy Robertson. Nobody's going to start over Trent Alexander-Arnold. Go in the middle, Gomez and uh, Van Dijk if they're fit. Matip's your backup. Fabinho can play there. Into midfield, they've got loads of midfielders, haven't they? So do you bring someone in just to keep them on the toes? Uh, or do you rely on like the likes of Curtis Jones coming through? And then the front three... 
who's going to replace Firmino, Mane or Salah? When, I, again, I think, you've got kids coming through there as well that can yeah, sort of fill in those I think that's the, the one maybe spot is at the number nine position. Because you've got to think about it as well. Firmino, who I love Firmino, I think he works his socks off. He didn't score a goal at Anfield until the final final game of the season. Now, it could be an in injury. The in the Premier League, Dan. In the Premier League, sorry, yeah. Um, I'm still not a, a massive fan of Origi. I know the the, the, the Liverpool fans love him. Um, he scored that brace against Barcelona that sent him through. But I just don't think he's a Liverpool-caliber player to replace and keep up the quality of those front three. I really like the young boy that they've got out on loan, uh, Brewster, who's yeah. on loan at Swansea. 10 in 20 at Swansea, but the championship is different than the Premier League. But he'll probably come back, and I think he will be part of the squad next year. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that happening. And and as you said, at the fullback position, they've got a young boy, is it Williams, that can play at right back? Yeah, he's, he can play he at can right be, back. He's very good. Maybe, maybe left back. You've got Milner that can fill in. If he signs a new contract, uh, very flexible. He can play in midfield and at that left-back position. But going back to if they're going to bring anyone in, I remember Reedy always speaking about when you're top of the league or you've won a championship, you always have to bring in two or three players for competition so that players don't get comfortable and complacent. And I believe in that as well. But you have to be very careful with what type of player you're bringing in. Does it upset the the group is it going to be a player that the group welcome in it might be a player that they've played against and they don't particularly like so it's a very very you know fragile situation they didn't bring anybody in last season at the start last season Dan and then they've ended up a million points clear of everyone true but they built a very very good team in the latter part of the of the previous season you know do you think these uh, the players are have the character grabbers that they can they, they will continue to push each other to win another title and another and another? Like are these a group that they know that don't need to be pushed because they will compete and push each other and challenge each other in the dressing room and it's not necessary? Both of what you've just said there, really. I mean, Danny's right. You, you talk to anybody throughout history and. You want somebody to keep you on your toes, and if you bring in a couple of new and people, of all of a sudden are going, oh, is he is he after my spot? Do I need to? And they lift themselves. But I've not watched a lot of their training because it is very much a closed session there. But I do know that even in training, they're putting a, say they're having a bounce match or whatever it might be, and someone puts in a cross and they score a goal, and then they'll go back and they'll and somebody will pull and go. Could you not? You could have done that cross a bit better, though, couldn't you? And they'll, they want they want the nth degree of perfection. And if someone's slacking, the person sitting next to them will pull them up. So I'm I'm torn really because, like you said, it's a fine balance between somebody coming in who might upset that equilibrium or that balance that you've got in there, but somebody coming in as well, everybody goes, "Whoa, hang on a second, and they've all got to lift themselves. Don't know. It's a tough one, isn't it? It is. Krebs, uh, I know you're not a fan of the team, but obviously it's a lot of fun watching them this year, and uh, I'm sure it's pretty, like you said, a surreal experience last week. Before you go, I've got to ask you, we do so many of these these kind of video conference interviews through the course of the last few months, and often you see some pretty cool sets and backdrops. You know, people throw a guitar back there to look cool. I've got a feeling you play. Do you play? Not a chance. Come on. <laughs> Before you even ask, I no, should have moved. Oh, well, I thought I'd try. I but do you play, though? I, I do badly, though, but I'm not picking it up. Not a chance. Krabbers, I, might, I, 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 I might play you out later, but I won't really. Krabbers, I also <laughs> like how you've. Kravis, I like how you've manoeuvred some uh, books in the background as well to make you look more distinguished and <laughs> library and intelligent. Like you read and stuff. Do you know what? I've got a book probably somewhere in here that you've signed, Deech, from from like a, an old Sunderland book from years and years it's ago. It's actually worth less now than when you bought it. <laughs> There's mostly records, to be fair, and even the ones that aren't are all sort of sporting books or just colouring in books. Probably more. <laughs> colouring. I've got Anthony Rizzo up there. 
Oh, and yes, I've seen it. I've seen Quinny in the background as well. That's quality. And Quinny down there, yeah. I didn't steal that, just for the record. Crabbers, I've got, I got a couple of juicy questions just for you before you go. Can so- I just say as well, before you do let me go, I've listened to your podcasts and... I laugh all the way through them. We've been very serious. Yeah, that's why I'm, 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 I'm getting a little bit juicy now. So, first of all, question one. Yeah. The most surprisingly funny Liverpool player on the team during interviewing and why? And then secondly, who is the most boring or angry, doesn't want to be in an interview player in the Premier League, not in Liverpool? So, first of all, go with a Liverpool player. Question I hate that. Yeah, but we're in Canada, so they'll never find out. You can tell us. <laughs> and, I, and I'll tell you why I don't like that one because it's different from when I used to come and, and grab you because you'd stand where all the years and years and years ago where Deitch used to play, uh, not quite as far back as Craig, obviously, but all the years and years ago when Deitch used to play, you, we could stand by the edge of the pitch, didn't we, at the Charlie Hurley? Yeah. And then as you were coming off, you'd go, oh, can you just spare us a couple of minutes? And you'd know there or then whether it was no, but you didn't quite use those words or give me five minutes or whatever it was. Now, we're all over there somewhere. The players are all over there somewhere and things. And you, you never know when the lads are just having a bad day. I always, If anybody does give me the shove it up your backside sort of thing, I always just put it down to them having a bad day. There is one player that I'll... Possibly, I don't know whether I want to say it or not because I want to go back to that football club. But there's there's only one player I can think of who was just rude or just rude, just had no interest whatsoever, and sort of all the way through and just hand on his face. Oh my god! And he just had, and then he started on his phone. No way. I know I'm boring, but not that boring. But um, Andy Robertson's great. Yeah, he's funny. Because you know what you get with Andy Robertson as well. He's just, Andy Robertson is, is Andy Robertson, is Andy Robertson, no matter where he is and what he's doing. Uh, Roberto Firmino doesn't <laughs> like doing interviews at all. And he did an interview with another broadcaster and he sat down and folded his arms and he just didn't want to be there. There were two word answers and it was it was painful. It was horrible. And then he said, all right, can you go and do Crabbers now? And he came over and he just looked at me and I went, listen, Sunshine. All I want now is for you to sit down, show me your lovely teeth, give me five nice answers, and then you can go. Is that okay? And he sat down like a little boy. <laughs> and he was brilliant. He was brilliant. I'm at my age now where I think I can talk to a lot of them like the kids. Jordan Pickford, you mentioned before, he came to do an interview at Everton and I sat him down. Jordan, you got chewing gum in your mouth? Yeah, yeah, have you? It looks terrible. Take it out. And all the press officers just sort of went, oh, and all moved away. I made him spit it into my hand before yeah. he could start the interview. <laughs> so I, I, there are, it's like one of them deeps. Some, some like them, some don't like them. I'm not going to sell that person out. I, I might do off, off air. But, yeah. uh, but all the Liverpool lads are great. I, honestly, I know that's a boring answer, but they're all good lads. Was, was Deitch always a prick or was he more pleasant back then? <laughs> Deitch, I, you see, I, I could tell you some good stories about nights out around Durham or yeah. the Hades Club, but... Hey, this is PG-rated, this podcast. Yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> yeah, because over, over here in Canada, he's seen as this, you know, knight in shining armour, can do no wrong, you know, Mr. Clean, you know, in many well, ways. Deitch signed so. for Preston North End as well and wore the number 11 shirt, and so... Flying just, winger. I don't, think, I don't think there's anything I can say bad about Danny Deitch or Danny... <laughs> Tell the top of the Ernest Dicio. He's, he's up there for me. Sorry. <laughs> if I have my money, I'll sell him out. <laughs> we'll talk afterwards. Krabbers, thanks, mate, for this. Really enjoyed it. Uh, enjoy the, uh, what, six weeks off or the Champions League, of course, but then get back up to it. I will be wanting to go back to work tomorrow because six weeks off means six weeks of doing stuff around the house, doesn't yeah. it? So anytime, gents, anytime. Top give man, Krabbers. Thanks very much, mate. Thanks, pal. So really appreciate it. At Crabbers on Twitter, fantastic. Really enjoyed that. Uh, and yeah, so yeah, you're okay, Deitch, I suppose. But uh, I wonder how many Sunderland fans, you know, w- would what their reaction would be if they knew that in the 24th minute of every Toronto FC match, there's a chant going around the ground about Danny Dicchio all these years after he retired. 
Uh, I don't know what they would actually say. I think they're in a little bit of a bad state at the moment, so they are, they? they'd yeah. be willing to cheer about anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they were up at the top half of the Premier League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it wouldn't be something. Great support, though, Sunderland fans. Great support. Yeah. Yeah, who's the, who's the owner again? He just, uh, this week, he announced that he's going to try and sell the club again, didn't he? The guy that, on Sunderland Till I Die, the Amazon documentary, of course, so he, big part of that was him coming aboard and trying to change everything, and it hasn't worked out. No. Mm. Really sad. That's a great documentary, though. Really well done, and gives it a really good feel for what it's like to be at a club like Sunderland. And, you know, they talk so much about the big clubs, you know, and doing the Man City one, for instance. But yeah. Sunderland, completely different. It's Spurs side. next year, right? Spurs, that this past season, they've been in the Spurs room, which would be fascinating, oh, really? given the Jose Mourinho, of course. Coming aboard there, COVID might be a somewhat of a factor. Yes, yeah, so it should be really interesting. Amazon, actually, I noticed on, on Twitter before we came up today, they put out a stat that since Bruno Fernandes arrived in the Prem, United have more points than both City and Liverpool. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, obviously, you know, some of these games haven't meant as much to Liverpool as perhaps they would have done. But still, that shows how that team's turned it around at the expense of Leicester, who at one point there's 14 points between them, right? Mm-hmm. It's been some choke job by, by Leicester, but... Look at United. Do you do you think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is actually a good manager? I think he's been given time, and that's what David Moyes interestingly said last week when they played him. He basically said that if I was given the time, which Ole has been given now, I could have turned things around. I'm not too sure about that. I think the players at Manchester United, especially the younger players as well respect Ole. I think they understand where he comes from. They understand that he's part of the DNA at Manchester United. They've got some nice pieces to fit what's already there. I'm not saying they're the finished article, but I really do believe with a couple of nice pieces, I still think they need a central defender. Um, Maybe a goalkeeping change. They need a left back desperately. That's three. That's three. So like two, three nice pieces, maybe four, but as the market's so diluted at the moment, are they going to get what they need? But I think Fernandez has been a, a nice acquisition for them. I think Pogba really likes playing with him as well. So maybe he can... Can that be enough to keep him, I wonder? Because I think so. before COVID, the big rumours were about Pogba leaving, going back to the continent. But now he, he's smiling, he's playing great football again. His team's showing that it's got some real potential. It's back in the Champions League. Amazing how one player can actually strengthen the team beyond that position like suddenly Paul Pogba might stay as well yeah, which makes a pretty formidable midfield partnership yeah well that's where I mean we're just talking to Crabbers is it, it situations can be fragile and making the decisions to bring in a player or two um, has to be thought about very well because that balance can be broken as easily as you put it together and we're talking about Leicester as well and mm-hmm now it being such a bad season, but this is Leicester. It's their second best season ever. Exactly. <laughs> this is Leicester we're talking about. Okay, we're still getting over the Cinderella year where they won the championship, mm-hmm. deservedly so. But still, no one really thought that they were going to compete for a Champions League spot this year. Arsenal finishing ninth or 10th, was it? Their worst position that they finished in years. Leicester, yes, 14 points in front. Is it such a good job that Ole's done with Manchester United, the belief that they've shown in getting results? Or is it the downfall of Leicester? Vardy still finishing as the boot, golden boot this year in the Premier League? Which is amazing, by the way. 33 years of age. Oldest golden boot winner? Yeah. Yeah. Just the Premier League era? Or... Uh, oh, yeah. Ever. I think it was the first one since like a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. Decades and decades. When the ball was still made out of uh, soaking wet leather. Right. <laughs> right? A long right. time ago. I saw some, someone <clears throat> tweeted out. It was a, one of the, maybe in the Premier League, saying that he's the first Leicester player to win the Golden Boot in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And, and Gary Lineker yeah. tweets, hey, yeah. did football get invented in 1992? Because, come yeah. on, ridiculous. But still, at 33, I mean, you know, you guys know how your body at 33 isn't like it was at 23 so to go there and still be the league's leading scorer of the Premier League at that age is quite amazing with Leicester with Leicester especially yeah. the way he plays yeah space very dynamic off the shoulder right very speedy so usually so those type of players suffer from hamstring injuries um, and as they get a little bit older the speed starts to yeah if you rely on decrease. speed alone yeah the, or not alone but 
as one of your major factors, as soon as that goes, you, you pretty much go downhill very, very Remember quickly. Remember, two or three years ago, I think it was two years ago now, before he signed his new deal, he was heavily, heavily rumored in going to Arsenal. That's right. So when you look in it now, you think he's won a championship. He got a big deal where he stayed at Leicester, where he's basically made his name. We know where he played beforehand but and his story, but he made his name at Leicester, mm-hmm. stayed where he's very comfortable, where his style of play suits him, won the golden boot, got into the England squad. You have to say the decision was right. I'd say, yeah. Huh? yeah. Well, amazing. His first game in the Premier League, he was 27 years old. Right, that's a late bloomer, right? Yeah. It's a great, the Jamie Vardy story is really something. And to see him still doing it on a pretty good team. Maybe that's why amazing. when you think he starts so late too, he's driven still because he's only really been involved in this top level for less than 10 years. So yeah. Maybe he's got a few years left. He's not well, slowing down he, apparently. No, but when it happens, it happens quickly. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Wong's not in his head there. I, I'm saying on. yes. I, I, the big thing for me was uh, Danny Dicchio had told us how funny and funny uh, Crabbers was. Least funny guest we've ever had on our show. <laughs> <laughs> That, that was he, he is actually hilarious. No, he he's enthousi- his enthusiasm, he's punching me in the face through the screen. Yeah. <laughs> he's brilliant. He's brilliant. He's, he's uh, really funny when he gets a good guy as well. Like yeah. when he speaks about interviewers beside the field, training field, wherever it was, it's totally changed than when me and Craig played, where, as he said, you're walking off the training pitch and they're basically there trying to collar you for, a, for an interview. Parking he, lot press. Yeah, he was one of the guys that always had back and forth banter with you. He would do a story and tell the truth, but he would also not throw you under the bus. He wouldn't make it personal. And we had a lot of respect for him. Well, you can see you there know, when you ask him that question, that's a very difficult one for him to ask. Yeah, it's difficult because it still really works with the Well, what's crazy too is the they used to only give, athletes would only give that interview or that soundbite to like an Oprah. It wouldn't be... To the main reporter, you know, it's always, hey, someone on Channel 4 or Sky or BBC they'd give it to on a 60 Minutes kind of documentary show where they'd show their true self. They're not, they're given sound bites. Yeah. Other when, than I mean, when the Premier League started, there was no press room. It was, it was still like parking lot press, yeah. which was really difficult because they could basically say what they wanted in the media and you had all these tabloid newspapers that were big into football because football fans bought them, the Sun, the Mirror, the People, and they would write whatever they want and you couldn't really prove it and they were never talking about football. It was something that happened, you know, so, oh, we saw somebody spit or we saw somebody this. We didn't want to comment because they're just about stirring it. it was not, they didn't want to write about the football game and that's kind of the world you kind of lived in there. Any kind of scandal or what's going on in the dressing room, that's what they wanted to know. But it's, it's, it's changed a lot, and journalism has changed a lot. We know that. Yeah. But also the access to players on the field has changed where there's specific days where journalists or beat writers are allowed at the training facility. They're only allowed within a certain distance as well because coaches don't want them to listen to what you're talking about. They set up a press about. time for they everybody. They set up a press time. On a Friday. You know where it was interesting when I went to Italy? It was crazy at Sampdoria because you had journalists there every day. And also during your training session, you would get a grade, a mark out of 10 for your training session the next day in training. Training session, really? So similar to how we wow. in England got grades for our yeah. matches yeah. in the papers the next day yeah. that you used to dread. You used to piss you off. Yeah. You'd get them for training days. <laughs> yeah. Dickio only 4.5 today. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Missed two glorious chances. Well, so well, they and, they probably, and they probably had a number. It was like Mexico. You go down there, and there's like so many sports writing newspapers. They're just yeah, same, same as in Italy. You have like three or Everybody's four competing. daily right. daily sports papers. But, but nowadays, you also have most well, every reporter, every journalist has a social profile as well. So they'll yeah, have their 500 words in the paper on the website, but then they'll be yapping away throughout the week, seven days a week, on their Twitter. Right, yeah. and that's when you can catch them out, and that's yeah. why the trust I think is gets crushed between the athlete and and the journalist now Big because mm-hmm. you know it's, it's more than just the you know each morning looking at what he wrote about you. And that's the key word there. I think if if you want to set up a relationship with players that you want to interview and try and get 
not their deep secrets, but to get a deep underline of who they really are as a person, it's a trust thing. And a lot of the players trusted Crabbers at Sunderland, wherever he's worked. And I can see that probably at Liverpool now as well. And, and actually clubs will kind of monitor which players gravitate towards certain journalists as well. And they like, and they work with those players and, and journalists as well. So it's, it's a dog-eat-dog dog world, but you know. You've it, got to get it, the best And then the trouble is for those journalists, if you're working with a team that's struggling and you're trying to write an honest article, that honest article can still upset them yeah. Yeah. badly. And next thing you go on, even with the managers, remember Bobby Ferguson, when he took over from uh, Sir Bobby Robson, Dave Allard was this beat writer for Ipswich and the East Anglian Daily Times, or the Ipswich Star, actually. And uh, he wrote that Ipswich showed no fire in their bellies. So the next time they press her in on a Friday or whatever, Allard gets spotted by Fergie, and Fergie gets him up against the wall. He's got him by the tie. He's got him up against the, up against the wall. He's got his finger up his nose, and he's like telling him, yeah, he's like, I'll show you fire in your bellies, you... But that's, that must be the same that. in all sports yeah. here as well, Shams, like in hockey, yeah, baseball, no, they're, they're, yeah, basketball. The beat writers get access, but they're generally not the ones making editorial opinions about players, right? They're yeah. reporting the facts. Mm-hmm. It's the columnists who have things to say, and they're the guys that are perhaps a little less trusted, I think, yeah. is what it yeah. comes or down to. Or you got to. some guy who's never played before, he's ranking you and giving you a 6 well, out of 10. An and, example, yeah. hockey-wise, Paul Hendrick um, just retired, right? Henny uh, worked with the Leafs for years and years and years. One of the most respected, loveliest guys you could ever meet. Big Real Madrid fan, by the way. Um, and he, he retires last week, leaves MLSE, and, and so many Leaf players have gone to Twitter saying, Henny, thanks so much for all Because he was fair with them. Yeah. You know? And that's, he covers some pretty bad Leaf teams. Right, but he was always fair. And uh, that respect was there. That's why I invited a young Danny Dicchio onto my show many years ago, just to buy his love. Say, DJ, I'll make you famous. Got my trust. Yeah. <laughs> Come on this show, I'll make you famous. Like, no one's watching that show. Him and KJ were getting me to do tactics on a Saputio pitch. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I remember that. <laughs> a long time ago. My what are we doing God, here? Right. Yeah. That ages us all, my God. <laughs> Danny had hair back in those days. Amazing. No, Amazing. No, no, I never had hair. Mullet. <laughs> All right, we're out of time. Uh, thanks so much to Simon Crabtree. Um, today's, awesome. today's show is brought by Craig Forrest's uh, lunch kit. <laughs> the only lunch kit in town. <laughs> right in the camera. If you're watching this, you know that. what I, I mean. Like, yeah. <laughs> Front and center. Yeah. Ladies' choice. What? It doesn't. Ladies' choice. The lovely Craig. Head of applause. Take the center camera. Amsterdam Brewery. Thank you so much for always supporting us and our alcoholism. And uh, DeanBlundell.com. Likewise. Thank you very much. Uh, Hope you enjoyed it, everyone. We're back uh, in two weeks' time, right? Two weeks. uh, Wong is going on a underdeserved vacation next week. Sabbatical. Holiday row. He's going to watch his beloved Florida Marlins play at home. (laughs) No one's watching them play. (laughs) They never watch them play when they're in... (laughs) Exactly. It's like Tampa Bay. (laughs) All right, we're out. See you in a couple weeks, probably. Cheers for listening. Bye. Thank you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.